every 80 kid's fantasy right there. See, Striper was the, the group that if you grew up in church, your parents would let you listen to it, but you couldn't listen to it around your other Christian friends because, you know, it was still the devil's music, you know. Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He prowls around. He, he's like a lion. He's stalking his prey, looking for someone to devour. Make no mistake about it today, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. He has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to seek out and destroy the things of God. We started a series last week called Satan Sucks. And the premise behind the series is real, real simple. I get that it's not really pastoral to say the word sucks, especially in church. But at the end of the day, as you sum up our enemy, there's really nothing else you can say about him. He seeks to destroy us. He seeks to ruin us. He, he seeks to destroy our finances and our personal lives and our relationship and our marriage. And he seeks to destroy our children. And at the end of the day, Satan sucks. And one of the biggest ways I think that Satan sucks is he reminds us of our past. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Satan knows if he can get us to the point in our lives where we focus more on our past then we do our present, and we do our future. Satan knows if he can get us to live in the land of guilt, and the land of remorse, and the land of what could have been, what should have been, or what I should have done different, Satan knows if he can get us living in yesterday, that we're not effective today. Satan loves to come along and remind us nonstop of our past. Satan knows that if we are ruled by guilt... If that we're ruled by shame, that we'll never live the potential that God has for us. And make no mistake about it today, there's potential in your life. God created you. God made you. He has a purpose for your life. He has a vision for your life. Satan calls you by your sin, and Christ calls us by our name. I'm going to start over right now because that was about as wide of a church as I've ever heard in my life. I said, Satan calls you by your sin, and Christ calls you by your name. I know it's a little cold today, and I know you're an old group of people, and your bones are aching, and they're not moving like they should be, and I know you had a busy day watching football yesterday, but listen, we're in the house of God today. Let's act like we're excited. Here's the reality about life. In life, you're going to mess up. In life, you're going to screw up. In life, you're going to do things that you wish you could go back and change. In life, you're going to make mistakes. Guess what? It's called life. There's only one person who ever lived this life and lived it perfect. And you're not him. In life, we mess up, we screw up, we make mistakes. And the bad thing about those screw-ups is once they're done, they're done. No matter how bad you want to go back and change those things, you can't change them. 
No matter how bad you wish you had a DeLorean with a flux capacitor in it that you could punch in the date and go back in time, you can't. Once the mistakes are made, they're made. Once the screw-ups are made, they're made. In life, we're going to make mistakes Reality check. Some are going to be small. Some are going to be big. There's no way around the fact that each and every one of us will make piss poor decisions in life. Someone told me last week, I said, I'm worried about the way you talk. You know, my kids are in the service. Your kids should be next door. They don't talk like that next door. We're adults. I can sugarcoat it for you. It's kind of like giving a toddler medicine. Sometimes you've got to mix it with a little bit of honey. But here's the deal. When you mix it with the honey, it dilutes it. I'm just going to give it to you straight. You might not ever come back, but at least you'll hear the truth once. So many people live this one shot at life that we have. And make no mistake about it, baby, you got one shot at this amazing gift called life, and so many of us waste it because we're living in the past instead of in the present. And guess what? Satan loves this. He loves it. He loves when you're ruled by guilt. He loves when you're ruled by shame. He loves when you're living in the past because the past is almost crippling. Because, again, you can't change it. So it gives you this sense of hopelessness, this sense of what am I going to do because you can't go back and do anything about it, and the guilt overwhelms us. And in the process of overwhelming us, it takes us out of the battle. It takes us out of this amazing thing called life. The devil sets up camp in our mind, and he rules our thoughts. David dealt with this. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that if there was anybody that had a call of God on their life, it was David. You remember David? He was the guy. He slung the things and he killed the giants and he went on to be the king. He was the shepherd boy who became the king. Literally, God says in this book, he says he's a man after my own heart. And as great as David was, David was full of living a life screwed up. David not only had an affair... He then had the woman's husband killed that he had the affair with to cover up his sin. In the process of raising his children, four of them all died. One of them tried to overtake him and become king, and David was constantly messing up. And there was a point in David's life where his mess-ups and living with his mess-ups for a short period of time made him very ineffective. He disengaged from ruling the kingdom, and that's when he almost lost his kingdom. And he said this in the book of Psalms. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My guilt, my guilt over what? My guilt over my screw-ups. My guilt over what I've done wrong. My guilt over what I messed up in. My guilt over the fact that I can't go back and change it has become so heavy to me. It's become Such a burden to me that I literally almost can't carry it. And if you go back and you correlate the time he wrote this psalm and you correlate it with the time in David's life, it was a time that he almost lost everything. God had forgiven him. but He couldn't forgive himself. And he had a calling on his life. 
And he couldn't even get effective and do what he was called to do because he was living in the ability and the want to of wanting to change the past. But even David couldn't change the past. I've been doing this pastoring gig for a long time. Been doing it since I was 21 years old. I'm 42, so I now I'm not a mathematician, but I've been doing it half of my life. 50% of my life every Sunday has been getting up on the stage and teaching God's Word. 50% of my life has been dealing with people as they go through their walk of life. And 50% of my life has been dealing with people who struggle with past screw-ups. And what I've learned as we deal with our past is there's only two ways people deal with them. There's not three ways. There's not four ways. There's not five ways. There's simply two ways. They allow their past failures to define them. And sadly, this is a huge group of people. And this is what Satan wants to happen because Satan sucks. He wants your life destroyed. He wants you living in the past where you can't enjoy today. He wants you to allow your screw-ups to define you. He, he wants you to be known by what you did instead of what Jesus did for us. He loves this. He loves when he can get you to start believing the lies that you are what you did instead of you are who you are. And I deal with people, and they're living in the past, and they identify themselves by what they did instead of who they are. And when you begin to define yourself in some kind of terminology or some kind of label, your mind begins to believe you're that lie, and Satan loves that. So we define ourselves by what we did. But then there's a group of people. They allow their past failures to refine them. Refine them. You can let them define you. Or you can let them refine you. The Bible says this in Isaiah. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. The Bible calls God the great potter. And he comes along and he molds us and he shapes us. And he can shape us in the times of failure more than the times of success. Because in the time of success, we know everything. We got it all figured out. It's when we hit rock bottom. It's when we're broken that the master potter can begin to put the pieces back together. It's when we're so low that we have nowhere to look but up that God begins to work in our lives. And you can look at your past. You can look at your screw-ups. You can look at your guilt. And hey, by the way, man, my name is Gary Lamb, and I am the king of screw-ups. I could write a book. Oh, my screw-ups. I'm so dumb that I don't just screw up one time. I screw up two and three and four times. I just just don't learn very well. And when I learn, I get cocky and think I can do it. Man, I could write book after book after book after book on my screw-ups. My wife came to me this week about an issue. Always in my life, seems like lately my issue always goes back to this little thing called a cell phone. You know. And she's like, hey, been back on that phone a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, you know, I'm taking care of five kids here. Yeah, I know. Washing clothes for five kids. Yeah, yeah, I know. Cooking dinner for five kids. Six counting you. 
Yeah, yeah. She said, you know what would be nice? I'm just oblivious because I'm stupid. I'm a man. What? If you get off your freaking phone and help every now and then. Now, here's the deal. It'd be one thing if that's the first time I'd heard it. But it ain't been. I got a past with my phone. It's a bone of contention in the lamb house. You'd think I'd learn one time. I got to have gentle reminders every now and then. Boy, we can let it define us or we can let it refine us. When we allow our past to refine us, this is when you allow your past mistakes to make you a better person. Because again, guess what? You can't go back and change them. This is when you go back and you humble yourself and you, you take ownership of your mistakes and you allow your past mistakes to be teaching moments. This is when you allow those scars to be reminders of how God got you through the darkest days of your life. You really only have two choices with your past. It can define you or it can refine you. Now, let me go ahead and give you a news flash on how everybody wants it to do. They want to define you. They won't tell you they want it to define you, but they'll remind you about it nonstop. They'll throw it up in your face nonstop. It can be 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and something will trigger, and they'll remind you of your past, and guess what? That's okay. You hurt some people along the way. You don't get to be exempt from the reminders. But you've got to decide, are you going to let those reminders define you? Are you going to let them refine you? I can always tell in the midst of someone's screw-up how they're going to come out of their screw-up. If they get to the point where they're broken and they take ownership and they accept it, I always know they're going to get through it. But when they're in that point where they're still blaming others or they're justifying, and sometimes it's a process. Sometimes we go through the justification process to all of a sudden we realize, holy crap, i got to get through this. Your past can define you or it can refine you. You are who you are today, whether that's good or it's bad, because of what you did yesterday. Your past shapes you. Your experiences mold you. Your trials make you. And you are who you are because of what you've been through. Your past can define you or it can refine you. But if you truly want to live the life you were created for, and make no mistake about it today, you were created for greatness. You were created to change the world. And if you really, really want to live the life you were created for, if you want to make the most of this one shot you have at life, you've got to decide your future will not be determined by your past. Satan sucks. But we have the victory. When he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Now here's the deal with this type of sermon. Sounds good to preach. It's fun to preach. I can throw out every cliche I know about your past. I can get them to say, you know what, that's why the front windshield's big and the rear view mirror's small. Well, I can cliche it all day long. And I'm a good enough preacher. I don't mean to be arrogant. And I don't mean to be cocky. I could even get a bunch of white folks hooping and hollering today if I wanted to. It's easy to preach. And it's easy to amen because it sounds good because we all got to pass and we want to move up. Oh, praise you, Jesus. That's good preaching. 
I got a passion. I'm not fine by it. Sounds good for an hour on Sunday morning. But it's hard to live out. Because right now you're in a safe zone. Right now the person next to you is amening. The preacher's encouraging you. You're going to leave here today and you're going to get in your car and you're going to turn it on. And a song's going to come on that will remind you of your past. You're going to flip through the TV and something's going to come on that reminds you. And that little voice is going to be like, you remember when? Who do you think you are? You think you deserve to have a good marriage? Do you not remember? You think you deserve these financial, but you remember when you ripped that person off? You think you deserve this good relationship you're having with your children? Do you remember when you let them down? That old devil, because he sucks. He walks like, it's like a roaring lion. He's walking around. He, he knows when he can attack and when he cannot attack. They say that a lion, when it stalks its prey, will never attack its prey when its prey is in a pack. They say it'll stalk it for days. Waiting for that moment till it gets off and gets alone. And it's vulnerable. When it's got its back turned. They say the lion is one of the most powerful animals there is. But they say most of the time it doesn't have to rely on its strength. Because it's one of the smartest animals that there is. It doesn't even have to use its strength most times. It uses its mind to attack. And here's the deal, you're hooping and hollering today, and it's easy to say, man, but there's going to come a time, and unfortunately for you, I opened up Pandora's box. It's going to happen this week. And the devil's going to come along, and he's going to attack you. See, I, I think mental things are the hardest things to overcome because we allow ourselves to be beat up over and over and over. Now, here's the deal today. In a crowd this size, I don't know what it is you've been through. I don't know what it is in your past that's keeping you from living the life God created you for. But I know you know what it is. It's already popped into your mind today. We may know that God has forgiven us, but we have this hard time forgiving ourselves. I, I, I don't know what it is for you today that you can't let go of. But there's a lot of you in there today, and you, you just feel this heaviness. Maybe it's some kind of sexual past and you just can't let it go. It seemed fun and right at the time. But years later, there's just this baggage and there's this guilt over it. Could be affecting your marriage or affecting your present day relationship because you can't let go. But maybe for you, it's just a reoccurring sin. You know that just that thing and you pray for God to take it away? Paul talked about it in the New Testament. He said, I prayed three times. For God to remove this thorn in my flesh. And it's funny, the Bible never says what the thorn in Paul's flesh was. I think that's, it can be any of our thorns. If he would have identified the thorn, but it can be whatever it is in your life. And it's just reoccurring. You pray for God to take it away. God, I'll never do it again. God, God, I, I, I won't let my ego get out of control again. That's, that's my thing. I won't let my confidence that I can do it all happen and God, just take it away and keep me humble. And then I start to get where God wants me to do. And I think, man, I got this. And I quit doing what I need to do. Because I'm good. Like, I don't need to go get my car checked yet. It's running great. Oil change, why? Engine light's not on. 
I don't need to do the maintenance. I'll wait till it's falling apart. It's, it's funny how we just get used to things. He's not here today, so I'm going to throw him under the bus. So the other day, Chris Stubbs needed to go get some coffee. He was in a mood. I said, you need some coffee. He's the laziest human being I've ever met in my life. I love him. And he's the slowest human being I've ever met in my life. Let me rephrase that. He's actually not lazy. He's just slow. So slow. And I needed him to do something. So I knew if he left here and walked to that Chevron across the street and walked back, it literally would take him an hour. I knew it would. I'm not even trying to be mean. So me, I said, Chris, take my Jeep. Run across the street. Because maybe if you take my Jeep and you drive 100 feet, you can be back in 30 minutes. As he's driving away, Glenn looks at me and says, what were you thinking? I said, it's across the street. I'll be danged if two minutes later my phone didn't ring. What, Chris? I was just sitting in this parking space and this lady hit me. You're just sitting there. I said, you're just sitting there, Chris. Yeah. And sure enough, I walk over there and sure enough, he was sitting and the lady hit him. And she, all she did was knock my tag loose. I was tore up about it, man. My tags, I'm on the phone with a guy who fixed on the... But you know the funny thing is? It's been like six days later. I don't even think about my tag being loose anymore. He sent me a text yesterday. The guy who does... Oh, he said, I got your new tag in. And it took me. I was like, new tag? Oh, yeah. So we get used to things not being right. We can overlook the things not being right anymore. And that's what happens in our past sometimes, man. We're all messed up and we just overlook it sometimes. But in the process, every once in a while we'll get that reminder that something's broken. And there's this reoccurring sin in your life. And you'll go without noticing it for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And all of a sudden something happens and and you notice that tag's loose. And you feel like you're carrying that weight all over again. Maybe you said something to someone you love. And you wish... You could take it back. You replay it over and over in your head. And you, and, and, and you know what you said's affected them. And they've forgiven you. But even though they've forgiven you, you can still tell it hurts them every now and then. And when you see them hurting, man, it makes you feel guilty. <laughs> Some of you made bad decisions in your past, and today it's catching up with you. <laughs> Maybe they're coming out, or you're afraid they're going to come out. You regret it, you hate it. And we just allow our past to always be there. Some of you, you strayed in your marriage. You betrayed your, your spouse. And it's been years. I was talking to someone this week. And they said, 25 years ago, I did this. I said, that's rough, man. And they said, my marriage is stronger than it's ever been today. And my kids know about it, and they've forgiven me, and my spouse has forgiven me. 25 years. He said, but man, I can't forgive myself. And on one hand, I'm like, man, I, I, that's good. I'm glad he, I mean, I don't want him to get, a, I, does that make sense? I mean, I always wanted to remember it, where it doesn't happen again. But his wife came to him 25 years later, and she said, I'm sick of talking about it. And you need to figure out something. And he's about to lose his marriage. And check it out. He's not about to lose his marriage over what he did 25 years ago. He's about to lose his marriage because 25 years later, 
He's still living there every single day. Your past will destroy you. I believe this guy's repentant. I believe he's remorseful. I believe he's broken. But here's the deal. He can't go back in a time machine and change it. And what he did is what he did. He's a better husband than most people that I know. His wife loves him. His kids adore him. But he can't let go of the guilt. You know why? Because he refuses to see himself as God sees him. And he allows the enemy to set up non-stop. We look at our kids and we see the stupid decisions they're making and we think to ourselves, man, if I'd only been a better parent, if I'd only done X, or I'd only done Y, or I'd only done Z, maybe they wouldn't be there today. And we allow the guilt to sit in. And we're like David, my guilt, Psalms, has overwhelmed me. It's like a burden too heavy to bear. Satan sucks. And he's going to destroy you He wants to destroy you. Let me rephrase that. And one of the days he goes about destroying you is by reminding you of your past. I talked to a lady recently at a coffee shop, and she said, I just want to be a mentor to people. But after all I've done, how how could I do that? Guy told me, this guy, he said, said, I want to have a good marriage. I said, you do have a good marriage. He said, but I can't can't think about how I met. I said, it was 25 years ago. Their past continues to follow them. Here's something we need to understand. Every saint of God has a past. Every great person that God has ever used has a past. Every saint has a past. It's cliche and every sinner has a future. So you got a past. Big freaking deal. Join the club. It's not an exclusive club. You know what it takes to be in the club? You got to be a human. You got a past. Guess what? I got a past. And Christine's got a past. And Michelle's got a past. And Chris has got a past. And David's got a past. And everybody here's got a past. You're not special because you got a past. But you're allowing your past to destroy your future. This book is full of screwed up people. I've never understood how the church moved to this mindset that you've got to have it all together to be used by God. I think that's another great way the devil works. He's a liar. Nowhere in this book do I see everyone had it all together. Matter of fact, I see the exact opposite. It was a bunch of screwed up people who God used. But the church comes along and says, you've got to look this way and act this way and do this and do that and say this and say that if you ever want to be used. What a lie from the devil. I told you, I think I've shared this story before. I gave my life to Christ in a very traditional church. I don't know if you have a religious background, but it was called an independent fundamental Bible church, meaning, man, they were nuts. And they had all these, and I'll never forget this guy coming to church one time, and at the end of the service, they did altar calls, and this guy gave his life to Christ. And I mean, this guy's a rough dude. He was a Pruitt. Back in my hometown, you know how your hometown has that family? He was a Pruitt. And the Pruitts were that family in my town. They were that family that, you know, 150 years ago, moved out to the middle of nowhere and bought 800 acres and had their compound. And they, you just didn't mess with the Pruitts, man. And the 
One of the Pruitts came in. I remember the preacher bringing the pulpit. He's like, look at this. This is blowing so Pruitt. And he's giving us life to Christ. Be like, yeah. And I'll never forget what he said. I was in Bible college and I was sitting there. And I didn't know anything. And the minister, I said, oh, that's not right. And he said, he's giving us life to Christ. And he says, oh, i never forget what he said. He said, and this week, if he goes out and gets his hair cut, shaves that beard, and he shows up here next week with a suit and tie on to honor God, God's going to do great things through him. And I thought to myself, you just lost that guy. And I never saw him through the doors of the church again. You know, some people just stick in your mind, like, I've looked for this guy on Facebook. I can't find him because I'm like, whatever happened to someone so Pruitt? We have all these rules and all these regulations, and God says, I'm just looking for screwed up people who want to be used. God takes us right where we are. The church says you've got to have it all together, and God says, hey, it's got to be willing to be used. You've got to quit being defined by your past. I want to give you a couple things about your past today, and we're going to go home. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. I don't. I really shouldn't even preach on that point. I should just give it to you. It makes sense. You're living with guilt. You're living with shame. You're living with hurt over your past. You're thinking. You think you're the one person that sins so bad. How could God ever love you? And God says, "Man, your biggest sins are nothing compared to my grace." I've been doing, like I said, for 21 years, and one of the things that I have become keenly aware of in my time in ministry is that people live consumed by guilt. And hear me on this. Hear me on this. This ain't going to be one of them hooping and hollering funny messages. You just need to hear me. Guilt is not from God. It has never been. I believe there's a spiritual enemy and he wants to come along, and he wants to make us feel guilty where we wallow in our guilt. <laughs> he, he would love nothing more than for us to spend our life treading water in the ocean of guilt. How am I ever going to overcome this? I, I feel so guilty. Guilt is not of God. You know what guilt does? It, it breeds self-hatred. Satan loves when we hate ourselves. I'm dealing with an individual right now, and it's always every time I talk to this individual, I suck. I'm a piece of this. I'm that. I'm this. I'm that. And this person will never come out of their mess as long as they're feeling guilty because their guilty is breeding self-hatred. Satan's smart. We've allowed Hollywood to make him a comic book figure. And he's a genius. He's so smart. Now, the devil does talk about this thing called conviction. Never mistake conviction and guilt. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit of God comes along in your life and, and, and pricks your heart of your sin and lets you know, man, the path you're headed down is a path of destruction. We need to embrace conviction, but we need to shield guilt. Conviction leads to forgiveness, and conviction leads to freedom. First John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us for all unrighteousness. But Gary, you don't know what I did. Let me make this as clear to you as possible. And I'm not trying to be insensitive as your pastor. I don't have time to know what you did. 
I don't care what you did. And it's not because I don't care about you, but I just don't care. God doesn't care. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just he forgives us. He doesn't remind us. You remind yourself. You let it hang over your own head. And guys, I can't even remember what you did. Look what he says in Jeremiah. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Someone told me that they said, I just pray every day for God to forgive me of the way I treated my kids. I said, why? What do you mean? I said, God, God, you already asked for forgiveness. God forgot it. You're asking him on the second, third, and fifth, fifth hundred days. He's like, what, what are you talking about? I don't remember. I don't even know what you're talking about. God chooses to forgive us when we ask for forgiveness. You keep living there, and God's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know that he says this. This is the way I interpret God. He's like, you idiot. Because that's how I'd be if I was God. Why do you keep living there, you dummy? Move on. God makes a choice. The all-powerful, all-knowing God makes a choice to limit his memory forever and ever. Everybody else will remind you, and I get it that they'll remind you. I'm not saying they're wrong. They're, They're hurt. Let them go through the process. But God doesn't remind you because he forgets. He forgives. His grace is sufficient. But Gary, you just don't know. It doesn't matter. How arrogant of you to think you're the one who has a sin that's so big God's grace and the blood of Jesus Christ can't wash it away. I get, this is a dumb thing because everybody says it in joking, but nothing makes me more angry than this when I invite someone to church. If I walked in that church, the roof would cave in. Don't flatter yourself. Yes, you're right. Ooh, of all the people who have come through this church, you're the big bad one who's so bad, the roof would cave in. Shut up. We even have arrogance in our sin. Man, our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Here you just, I don't need to know. I'm not God. God knows what you did. And God's grace is sufficient. Check this out. You're not what you've done. You're who God says you are. Satan comes along and he wants to remind you. But you're not what you've done. What you've done doesn't define you. And if you have people in your life who define you by your sin, eliminate those people from your life. Again, you hurt people. There's consequences for the hurt. You've got to rebuild. But if they define you by who you are, then cut them out of your life because you're not your event. You're who God says you are. You're the very product of a God who loved you and breathed life into you. Satan tries to personalize your sin, doesn't he? He tries to get you in the mindset of who you are. I'm going to tread very lightly here because we have a lot of people that are active in this and it offends them every time I say this. But at the end of the day, it's my opinion. And from my understanding of God's word, I believe I can back it up. I I believe a lot of recovery meetings are incredible. And I believe a lot of people get help in those recovery meetings. That's why we allow them to meet here rent-free all the time. All the time. But they're they're man-made organizations, so they're not going to be perfect. 
And I think here's one of the most detrimental things they do. And I watch new people go in and I get it, I get it, I get the mindset. I come from a family of addicts, I get it. But as long as you continue to identify yourself as an addict and you continue to identify yourself as an alcoholic and you continue to identify yourself as an adulterer and you continue to identify yourself as a thief and you continue to identify yourself as a crook, what you're doing is you're allowing the enemy to set up in your mind and say, that's right, you're an addict. Well, I don't want my ego to get out of control. Don't let it get out of control. But don't define yourself by an event. You're not an addict. You're a child of God. You're not an alcoholic. You're a child of the king. You're not an adulterer. Man, you're saved by grace. And what a sly way for the devil to get in and operate and get in your mind. Because what our mind tells us is powerful. I don't do a lot good as a dad. I just don't. I'm not a bad dad, but I'm just, I do, man. I get caught up in all the craziness and I neglect a lot of things. And I don't probably hang out with my kids and give them the time. I'm, getting, I'm working on it always. It's a constant battle with me because I'm a selfish a-hole and I just think about me. But one thing I do, I think I do very well all the time is I remind my kids how awesome they are and how incredible they are and who they are and what they can accomplish. And, and they've never come to me with any dream. Emily's my little entrepreneur. She's always come to me, hey, I'm going to do this. And I've never looked at her one time and said, that's a stupid idea. I mean, I, I say it sometimes joking because um, that's what I do. But I always want to do whatever you want to do. Go after it. You can do anything. Do Emily came home the other day all upset because some little boy had said something to her at school, and we'll kill this little boy. And, um, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Make sure that gets edited out of the podcast. But here's the deal. She was upset for about two seconds. You know why? Because her mom began to pour truth in her, and she had truth poured into her. And she knows she's not with some little crappy boy. And you know what we didn't do, parents? We didn't say, well, he just picks on you because he likes you. Get that mindset in your kid's head. And then wonder why they're in an abusive relationship laying around because the whole life you've taught them, man, boys that pick on you and call you names and hit on you and do whatever, that's because they like you. God, we must be the most retarded generation of parenting I've ever seen in my life. And we wonder why our kids are so screwed up. Oh, this ain't a parenting sermon. I'll move on. Psalm says this. I prayed. This is David. Remember David was the one who said my, my guilt so hard to carry? Chapters later, he's come out of his funk, and look what he says. He says, I praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a cliche thing, and if you said, man, what are some sayings of Gary? This always gets brought up, but I'm going to say it again. Let me make this very clear to you. God doesn't make junk. You're not a mistake. You're not a whoops. You might have been a surprise who happened in the backseat of mommy and daddy's car when it got too hot and heavy, but you didn't surprise God. <coughs> God doesn't make junk. You say, my parents didn't even plan for me. They didn't even want me. God wanted you. And he formed you. And he shaped you. And, and he, he, every detail of you, he made. <laughs> and you're much more than, than your past mistakes. God sees you as potential. <laughs> Sin's an event. It's not a person. Sin is an event. It's not a person. Man, there's some of you and you're in bondage to your past. And I pray to God that he'll come along and help you see yourself the way God sees you. And when you see yourself the way God sees you, it changes your life. I, I used to always think, man, 
the way we see our kids is the way God sees but, that, but that's not true because I've seen some crappy parents recently had someone send me a message their mom sent them recently and I thought who would ever like it, it tore me up I said who would talk to their kid this way and this kid's been a horrible kid but I never would talk to my kids that way so God looks at us so much more than even our parents look at us. And he sees something that he created that's fearfully and wonderfully made. And he says, quit identifying yourself by your past. Empower yourself to know that God loves you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're no longer your old self. Now, I, I, it's a fine line. I believe you don't ever need to forget the mistakes you've made. Because if you forget them, you'll repeat them. But you don't need to live in them either. I used to go to speakers' meetings. I've never been an addict. I used to go to speakers' meetings. I love to hear people speak. Speakers' meetings is when someone gets up and they share their story. And I wish I could run stats on this because I believe it's 100% accuracy. Every time a speaker gets up and they spend more time glorifying their past than they do their sobriety, those people have always relapsed. Those who get them say, man, here's some stupid things I did, bam, 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 and they spend more time on where they're headed, I'm always like, that's the one who's going to get through it. Man, you can't live in your past. Now, here's the problem. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're kicking the tires on this Christianity thing. I get it. You're welcome here. You're welcome to come here forever. We're not going to shove Jesus down your throat. But I do got some bad news for you. You are defined by your past. You are what you've done. Because you haven't entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ yet for Jesus to come along and wipe that away. So you're going to live with that guilt and you're going to live with that shame and you're going to white knuckle it and you're going to try everything you can to move past it. And here's the deal, humanly possible, it's hard to move past some of those things. But by the grace of God can you move by those things best decision you can ever make today is to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, I don't know what that means. Five minutes of service, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Like I said, I'm not going to embarrass you here today. That's between you and God, but I'd love to help you in that today. Here's the deal. Last of all, we're going home. You cannot change your past, but Jesus can change your future. Someone told me the other day, they said, I can't move past. Because here's the sometimes our past is even something we did. Someone the other day told me, they said, I just can't move. I was molested at a young age, and I can't move past it. I have two girls. I can't imagine what that must be like. The thought of it makes my blood boil. But here's the reality, and I'm not trying to minimize it. You can't go back and change it. can't go back and change it but God can change your future he can show you what a healthy relationship is like maybe he's going to use your mess to be a ministry to someone else you lost your marriage and your only dream was a good marriage and they've moved on and remarried nothing you can do about it I get it hurts and it sucks and it's painful but you can't change your past You were young and you did something horrible and you live with it every single day. You can't go back and change it. But God can change your future.
I'm telling you, I get it. I've screwed up along the way in my heart. There's probably not another message that I preach here where my compassion and my heartfelt brokenness goes out. I get it. But I'm telling you, no matter how bad you want to change it, you can't change it. And there's things that you will do, or there, excuse me, there's things that you did that 10 years and 12 years and 15 years later, there's still consequences for. I still deal with the consequences of things I did 10 and 11 years ago when I look at my two kids. When I pick them up every other weekend and I don't get to see them 24-7, there's consequences. You don't get to eliminate the consequences. But you can live in the guilt of your consequences. Or you can live in the victory of your future. My wife had to help me see that. I met her and I was five years out of her divorce. And she said, wow, you let those kids get away with murder. And you're not teaching them anything. And you're raising kids who are going to be spoiled, rotten, self-entitled people. Because you're living with guilt. She's right. And guess what? I still bad that. We had the same discussion last night. I'm getting better. She had to remind me last night. We're on a date. We're sitting there, me and her. She says, I need to talk to you about something. What? She laid it down. I'm like, yeah. And I did the guy thing for about, I said, we're going to fight all night. And surprisingly, because we're maturing in our marriage, she stayed calm. And she said, we're not going to fight all night, but you're going to hear what I got to say. Let's move. And she was right. It's constantly a struggle. I, can't, I don't have an answer for you to tell you to flip a switch. But you, you can't let your past affect your future. Can't go back and put the words back in your mouth. But you can go back and you can build that person up that you tore down a hundredfold. And eventually... When they go back and replay that, the goal should be, man, they're going to replay all the positive things. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. And because of your past, you can have the greatest future ever. <laughs> I watch people go into new relationships, and I'm always like, I wonder if they're going to learn in this relationship from all the past they screwed up. And I tell you, it's beautiful when they do. Now, they could go into that new relationship and be like, every relationship I've ever had has been screwed up and been full of lies and been this and that and that, and then go right into that. Or they can be like, you know what? Every relationship I've ever had in the past has been blah, 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 and here's what I've learned from it. It's not going to happen in the future. Jesus can change your future, but it's all in your mindset. (laughs) Philippians says this, not that I have already retained all this, already have arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taking hold of it, but one thing I do, he said, I'm striving to be the person God wants me to be. And I don't think I've arrived there yet. I don't think I've reached that goal yet. He said, but here's what I do. I forget what's behind me, and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on That's forward movement towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then 
who are mature should take a view of things. So he says, all of us who are mature in our faith should do the same thing. What is the thing that we should do? Forget what's behind us and strive towards the future. And if at some point you think differently, you too, that too God will make clear to you. So here's the deal. Let me give an example of this. And it fits in anywhere. I've been married to Christine for five years. In that five years, I have screwed up some things. Gary Lamb, king of screwing up good things. It's me. And we've been through hell in five years. Just like all of you have been through hell in your marriages. Now here's what we can do. We can live through those mistakes. And we can live through those screw-ups. Or we can both keep striving. That's an action. So it's not a matter of just simply forgetting. You've got to see the other person striving. You've got to see they're pressing forward for that goal. And your future can be better than ever because you learn from those past mistakes. Now here's what happened. Things go great. And you're going to come along and you're going to make a different mistake. And they're going to make a different mistake. And you can learn from those and you can move on. You can't change your past. But Jesus can change your future if you're willing to allow him to change it. Really, our past boils down to our mind. I thought about doing a series on the mind, but it's way out of my league. And, um, you know, I don't know that I can do it. But I am convinced more and more and more that as this thing goes, so do we go. When this thing is on the things of God, we're on the things of God. And when this thing's on pressing forward, we're pressing forward. And when it's on the past, we're locked in the past. And when it's locked into guilt, we're living in guilt. This thing right up here is amazing. Even the ones that are in people that we don't think are amazing are pretty amazing. As our mind goes, so we go. So here's the deal. Don't forget your past. Don't forget it. But don't live in it. Learn from it. And change your future. Satan doesn't want that. And like I said, and we're going to wrap it up. I jinxed all of you. Satan's going to, and I, I hate it. I hate it right for the holidays that I did it. <laughs> but boy, Satan's fixing to attack you. And he's going to attack you with your past. Remind him of his future. Guess what? I've read the end of the book. We win. <laughs>